Hello, and welcome to the Ecom Ops Podcast. We believe that there is more than enough content focused on e-commerce marketing and not enough content celebrating the real heroes of e-commerce, those running the operation. Each week, we find and interview an e-commerce operations expert to share the secrets behind how some of this industry's most exciting businesses are run. And now, your host, Norbert Strapler, the CEO of Sync Spider. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ecom Ops Podcast. My name is Norbert and today I'm talking to Jake from Tadpole. Hi Jake, welcome. Thank you, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for being here. It's a very interesting niche that you're in. Uh, it's also e-commerce, of course. And uh, yeah, you can help customers to scale their e-commerce business but before we start, tell me a bit about yourself. How did you get into e-commerce? You know, I was really confused as a student. So I did my undergrad in physics and did my master's in marketing. And uh -huh. so it was always, I had no idea how they'd ever come together. Um, but when I kind of ran across e-commerce and the web, it, it kind of made sense because there was a, a lot of the physics of here's an idea or here's a, a you know, we got a test, we'll get some data, we, we create a hypothesis and compare that against it. And then the creative part of the marketing side, like how do you get traffic to a site and what does you know, user personas do when they you know, interact with the brand online? So those things all kind of came together. Once I found e-commerce, I was like, oh, this is, this is kind of everything I've been looking for. Even though I was pretty confused for a long time with school. <laughs> so e-commerce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Great. And, and you're currently the CEO of uh, Tadpool, um, whose stated uh, purpose is to... Um, transform people and companies through empathy and technology. Um, how exactly do you go about this? Yeah, so uh, the idea of like empathy, I, I saw this a lot from, uh, I teach as an adjunct professor at Montana State and University of Montana. And one of my mentors taught at Stanford and started the design school at Stanford, a, name, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Jim Patel. And through being exposed to kind of design thinking and a lot of that is, is you know, rooted in empathy, I saw like, wow, you can really... Great brands that are built in on empathy really perform. And then a lot of how we kind of interact with our clients and with our, um, our teammates here at Tadpole is, is on that empathy side. And when you can get the empathy pieces right, then you can really do a lot of amazing things with using yeah. technology to scale. What exactly is uh, Tadpole doing? So what is the, 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 the tool itself? How, how does it work? What can, how can you help e-commerce store owners? Yeah, so as we say, we're kind of on a mission to um, fight Amazon. And so we think of uh, why well, we have a lot of respect for Amazon and what they've done. We think a lot about uh, they have a Death Star, if you will, and, and Darth Vader, as we kind of joke about. They have a Death Star of data and, and machine learning, right? And so whether it's recommendation engines or all sorts of amazing things they can do with that data on site. Well, for smaller companies, as we call it kind of the mid-market, they don't really have access to like AI or any of these types of tools. But they're typically sitting on a lot of data. So they may have data in their ERP system. They've got their Shopify store data, Google Analytics. Um, but more often than not, they're missing key parts or stitching all the data together. So that's a lot of what our software does. Is it pulls it all kind of in one place. We kind of identify anomalies or opportunities um, based on digital marketing campaigns, also based on customer segments, and then finally, um, the catalog. So if you've, if you've heard of like the four Ps of marketing, product, price, place, promotion, we think of kind of the four Cs of e-commerce as kind of culture. So... And then customers, campaigns, and then catalog or inventory. So if you get the, the four C's right, then you can really perform an e-com. But you need a lot of data to do it. 
That's great. And, and how do you do that? So you you get in touch with the customers or can they self-service them uh, in, in your application or how does it work? You, you uh, have experience in this space as well. So I'd be curious to hear your stories. Um, <laughs> but a lot of it is uh, they have data, but it's not always very clean. And so a lot of it is kind of helping oh, yes. the client. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> I can fully agree to that. <laughs> oh, we've got really good data. And it's kind of like you get handed something, you're like, you know, or there's not an endpoint or an API to connect with. So we're having to like use a CSV upload. I mean, there's lots of ways where, you know, you got to kind of figure out how to get to the data. Um, but dirty data doesn't give you any insights. So we always say like, it's kind of like gas in your car. If you have really dirty gasoline, you can't really drive your car very far. So yeah, so a lot of it is, is helping them kind of, um, you know, some stuff can be self-serve like Google Analytics, like a Klaviyo, uh, those things can be, you know, Shopify, we have pretty, you know, native integrations with the APIs and that stuff comes together pretty yeah. quick. And, and, and which role, um, if any, um, does automation play in, uh, in your operations? A huge piece of it. So we talk about this kind of three-part series, if you will, or a journey on how you kind of get started with, with uh, AI and e-commerce if you're smaller. And the first step is unify. We kind of unify all the data in one place. And then it's simplify, which we kind of apply machine learning models and statistics to understand. And then the last piece is the amplify, where we really kind of let, let the robots kind of go and... Now we're starting to do stuff with emails and lookalike campaigns and paid media and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. um, the unify, as we just talked about, is usually the trickiest part. The simplify and amplify goes goes pretty pretty quick once the data is clean. Yeah, and now I'm a customer and I'm logged in. So what what how do you present the data to me? So um, what what can I learn from the data that you give me? We spend a lot of time really thinking through how people interact with data and how mm-hmm. to make that as efficient and easy as possible. And I I can. Uh, a test from teaching, I've um, been teaching for almost 14 years now. Um, you know, marketing folks don't always like analytics or data. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing against our, our marketing friends, but sometimes, you know, the idea of using a, a pivot table in, in Excel, for example, is kind of their idea of a nightmare. So we try to make the data very easy and digestible. Um, and I think of data is kind of like a, a, an iceberg, right? There's certain pieces that need to stick up above the water. You don't want to run into the iceberg, but underneath there's lots of stuff. So a lot of the UI is designed around just the tip of the iceberg of, of key pieces to kind of let them know. For example, are, is this campaign performing very well? Or yep. do we have a high lifetime value with this customer acquisition? Things like that. Right. Well, and now you have so much data. You have seen so many web stores. Um, what can our listeners learn from you? So are there any quick tips that can help an e-commerce store to grow? Is there anything that, um, that, that, that a user easily could, um, yeah, a store owner easily could proceed in their company? Yes, I'd say a couple of key things. One is back to that kind of four C's. If the first C is culture, I always say, you know, really think through an agile culture, meaning like you have a, you know, you, you work on data, your team goes quick with sprints. They're uh, very, very focused on the customer and customer centricity. So that's usually the first piece of it. None of it really works if you try and skip over that I've seen in my career. Um, you can kind of fake it for a while, but eventually um, the store will come tumbling down. Yeah. Um, the next step along those cultural lines is really own your data. I mean, first-party data You know, here in the U.S. is a hot topic with uh, Apple and Facebook and how they're locking down iOS 14 and all that kind of stuff. So good first-party data, meaning... Is the stuff that people come to and do on your website, capturing that, um, being very compliant as well with GDPR and California Privacy Act. Um, and then the next step is really, I think, cross-channel marketing. Um, a lot of what we do is um, understanding, does the user start with the search engine, then go to YouTube, 
and then they come in, they're retargeted and they sign up on an email for free shipping. Like making sure you understand every touch point and kind of put a credit to each one in the right way so that you kind of um, focus your marketing efforts. I think the other piece of one thing I've seen, um, big brands get built on just paid ads. And then I've also seen Facebook change their algorithms and then they get kind of um, either the costs go through the roof or competitors enter or all sorts of stuff. So making sure you have SEO and email and some of these other channels working as well. Okay, great. So as a store owner, um, using all those different channels, but also understand um, where the lead comes from or where the sale comes from, actually, not the lead, um, is, is a key point. Now, um, what, what, what is the number one thing that an e-commerce store owner should focus next to get more revenue? Um, I would say lifetime value. Lifetime so value. understand lifetime value. And then I think um, if you look at almost any data set from like say Google Analytics, look at new versus returning customers and see how much... Uh, a lot of times there's an 80-20. So you might have 80% as new customers, but 20% is returning. But if you go look at the revenue, it'll be almost flipped where 80% of your revenue will come from 20% of your customers. So that Pareto distribution or the 80-20 rule, that shows up over and over and over again. So I think like focusing on, okay, who are my current customers? Um, if you have a business model that supports repeat purchases, um, you know, how do I go out and do something unique or reward them um, with email or SMS or some other touch points? Um, I think that's a, an easy, easy win to just boost top of revenue mm -hmm. and obviously boost your profitability because you're not spending to acquire those customers. Because uh, in this case, you can really utilize emails very good and, and, and the community on Facebook or Instagram um, to communicate about yourself, about your um, new products or about add-ons. Um, so in this case, the catalog is so important, right? Yes. Yeah, there's some research that came out um, from Google and McKinsey recently saying that you know, mm -hmm. basically, you know, roughly 75% of customers are open to trying new new brands, 60% of them plan to stick around. So a huge market share going on right now. But the key thing is 27% will buy based on inventory availability. So if you don't have the catalog tight and you're out of stock all the time, um, which is why I think I loved um, the title of this podcast, because I think the operations side of e-commerce is often neglected. People get too caught up on the cool snazzy hack of, you know, way to blow, you know, blow up your traffic. But nobody thinks about, well, what happens if we don't have product or stuff in stock or velocity on our inventory turns, all that stuff trips you up. Um, and so you can drive traffic all day long, but there's nothing for them to buy. It's all for, all for not. Yeah. And, and do, do you have any, any, any techniques or tools you have used to boost customer lifetime value? Yeah. Part of that is what our software does because it, it could in lots of different pieces, but using, um, for example, like a recommendation engine. So understanding what's the first product people buy and then when are they ready to buy again? So we'll use some statistics based on frequency and monetary value and recency to kind of predict when they're, they're ready to go. Mm -hmm. And then when you have that operations data, the catalog data, we kind of know what's the next product in that, in that series mm -hmm. of their purchase cycle. Again, this only works if you're selling multiple types of products. Um, I think we could talk a little more about that if you're interested, but I think you know the one and done business models where the average order value equals lifetime value, I think those are very different types of businesses to run, um, and the capital required to do it is is can be intense. Um, but yeah, that's where I think the, the ops data when you have repeat purchases is it's just a gold mine, and you kind of get everything up and humming. Yeah, absolutely. So I fully need to agree. If you have the right data in place and you know exactly 
where all those uh, purchases happen um, and how a customer interacts and, and which channels are needed, um, you can really identify the, the important channels and focus on them uh, rather than spreading the budget across everything. Um, because it's, of course, limited at some point. Exactly. And it's so easy to go push a button in an ad platform, right? And yeah. those things are designed to have your credit card, swipe your credit card, customers come to your front door. So it's easy to get... Uh, we, we joke about it kind of being... It's like a, an addictive drug if you're not careful. <laughs> so you, you want to be careful. Uh, and, and things like email, which seem kind of boring. I have a lot of clients like, why email? Like, come on. It's like, oh, email, email and SMS when done right is just an annuity. It just generates cash consistently. There, there are... Interesting newsletters. You, know, you don't need to just send out a, a newsletter, a boring newsletter. Um, of course, this is boring and nobody, nobody gonna read it. But if there is value inside and if there is um, a bit of a fun inside, um, I think that the the interest is is different. And uh, I personally, I, I I hate reading newsletters, but there are newsletters that I'm looking at, um, especially for the the tools that I'm using myself. And I know that there is always a very important information inside that can help me. I will read it. Exactly. And that's kind of comes back to that kind of core value around here, just empathy. Yeah. Like just think through what the user might want to experience, not what you what what you think they should, but what do they actually want to experience? And then if they if you can provide value at every touch point, I mean that's how you build a great brand. Yeah. So and, and, and newsletter doesn't cost money. So it's no. just um it's just time. It's time it's just a to bit get, of time. get get the thing done right and then send it out because what what is a subscription at MailChimp or at at, at, at Clive.io? It's nothing compared it's nothing. to the value. It's, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's like we used to pay like two thousand for free on MailChimp and yeah, um, something like that. Amazing. Yeah. And did you notice any surprising trends since the outbreak of the pandemic? Yeah. So here in the here what we saw um you know data from the feds uh, from the Federal Reserve showing just as e-commerce as a percentage of retail sales, it was kind of 10 years of growth in 10 months. Uh, we're seeing that kind of dip down a little bit, but um, just no surprise. I think globally e-commerce grew 27% um, cool. last year. So, I mean, there's no surprise by anybody listening to this uh, kind of e-commerce is, is on is on fire. Um, and so I think that's been really interesting. I think what I've seen from certain customers, some customers are going for it. And then we've also had some prospects that have been kind of nervous to try um, so it's been a little bit of a, if you were doing e-commerce, it, it, you know, everyone in our portfolio grew last year. Some that weren't quite sure kind of waited. They're kind of trying to play catch up about a year later now. Yeah. And what will your ops team be focused in 2021? Oh, um, I think really coming back to um, looking at inventory turns, perennial bestsellers, um, and then you know, starting to structure campaigns against that. So our best mm-hmm. gateway products, how do we run campaigns into that? To your point, like how do we use email on um, you know, repeat purchases and things like that, doing interesting, fun things with, with that on the product side. And then as always, like what, what, what do those supply chains look like? <laughs> Will they hold up? Will they hold up hopefully? Sometimes they don't. You know, how, how do we be scrappy if we don't have product? I think that's the other piece of you know, how do we yeah. get the... Um, some of that stuff, which is really tricky, especially supply chain during the pandemic, is 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 something that is very hard to keep. Um, uh, we, we had a lot of seen a lot of customers um, uh, that that had problems getting the goods uh, in time. Um, really, a lot of them, and oh. um, yeah, this is something that might not change so fast. I think. Um, I I think about Peloton, you know, and the challenges yeah. they've had with. You know, once in a 
once in a generation opportunity for a for a product or solution like that, and they just can't get product in the hands of yeah. the customers fast enough. So, yeah, I think eventually, um, one of the colleagues I teach with here at Montana State, um, she she's worked for FedEx and she did her PhD at MIT in operations, and brilliant, brilliant lady. And, and she always talks about eventually the two sides of the business brain, marketing and ops, eventually they always become into, into conflict or marketing sells so much and ops runs out of product or marketing, yeah. you know, they don't miss their forecast. And so there's always that tension. Um, so uh, so now we're, we're in the part where there's, yeah, there's a huge demand, but the ops piece is obviously struggling to keep up at times. Yeah. Um, now, last question for the day. Um, and it's always my last question. Who has taught you the most about e-commerce in your career? That's a fantastic question. You know, I would say, um, I would go back to just kind of what, um, if I can use a physics metaphor here, kind of first principles or the first kind of way to think through it. And I would say probably um, this gentleman, Jim Patel at Stanford, um, mm -hmm. who started the design school. And partly because, you know, I remember one time we were talking about something and, uh, you know, an idea and I was like, oh, it's just, it's not going to work. And he's like, it's a prototype, Jake, who cares? <laughs> and once he told me in my mind, like it was, it was one of those, like, I don't know if you've had that experience with a mentor, or they'll tell you just like a sentence and it just kind of like the world changes like before and after. Because once I got my head around, like everything's a prototype and that's kind of how design thinking works. It's like, oh, especially with the web where you can just like slap together some the tools today to slap these things together and test are so easy compared to where they were 10 years ago. So I would say that mindset of, um, while it wasn't necessarily pertaining to just e-commerce directly, that idea of like, hey, everything's a prototype. We should prototype that campaign. Let's prototype that product. Um, that really helped me get over my fear of perfection. Great. It's really a great answer. Um, I love that. And I also love the fact, and thanks so much for your time and for your interview, because my pleasure. Um, again, we learned so much. Um, data is the one of the most critical things in e-commerce. If you just go out there and sell, that's cool. But if you want to grow and you don't have the right data in place mm -hmm. to learn how the users come to you, why they purchase, when they purchase, who purchases, um, then you simply cannot really grow. You will, of course, go up if everything is fine and you have the right touch points anyway, but you can really grow if you understand why you're growing, why the products are in needs. And this is something that you definitely can learn. And uh, yeah, I like the fact of the prototypes. So everything is a prototype and you can improve it. <laughs> yeah. No, thank Yeah, I think, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I would say the other piece of that is, uh, as a cautionary tale, you know, you can grow. I've also seen businesses get between 20 and 50 million and have no profit where they spend it all on acquisition or they yeah. didn't have their margin data is correct. And, and those are kind of heartbreaking stories because you see people that really spent years of their life building these things and they never really thought, you know, when you're on a rocket ship, I understand sometimes it's hard to point it in the right direction. But man, you don't have the data guiding you. Like you can you can build a big a big business and have no no margin and yeah. So <laughs> data is your rocket margin. fuel. <laughs> yeah, data is your rocket fuel. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Great. Thanks so much. Have a great time and talk soon. Awesome. Thank you for the opportunity. And that's it for this episode of the Ecom Ops Podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for Ecom Ops Podcast in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time.